Hello and welcome to QIC's QPod Investor Podcast Series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each Monday morning we invite our listeners into our Liquid Market Team's Financial Market Update Meeting to get a briefing on the latest themes impacting the equity, fixed income, commodity, currency, and volatility markets. Morning, everyone, and uh, it's a Tuesday today. Actually, Australian markets had the day off yesterday, but uh, Stuart, lots of news over the weekend and also globally yesterday as well. So can we start with you with an update on the asset markets, the performances and the main themes impacting the markets, including those currency markets? Sure. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, the um, overnight we had the National Bureau of Economic Research in the US uh, tell us what we already knew and they've designated February 2020 as the peak in activity in the US and the start of the recession. So Unlike how we define it here in Australia, which is generally two straight quarters of negative growth, the NBER defines recessions in the US and they define it as a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy and normally visible in production, employment and other indicators. And we've certainly seen that. So we've we've ended that very long period of expansion that came out of the GFC and, uh, and the recession has started uh, back in February. They tell us, but anyway, in terms of the the moves in asset markets, and I think we've we've got to go back to the main themes that are taking place in markets, and we're seeing an ongoing rotation in in asset prices with unloved and out of favour assets at a country level, a sector level, and a factor level all outperforming, and we've actually seen an acceleration in those trends in recent days. Um, particularly when you see overnight price action where you've got uh, bankrupted or near bankrupted companies doubling and near tripling in value. And I speak of things like Hertz and Chesapeake Energy Corp. So really big short squeeze underway there. Uh, Another theme, not to downplay the immense challenges across global economies, but there's an undoubted improvement in the data, which has come through uh, sooner than expected, uh, particularly highlighted by the turnaround in US employment numbers and also the PMIs that we saw uh, at the beginning of last week. Uh, Another theme is particularly underpinning equities and risk assets is just ongoing stimulus across fiscal and monetary policy. And most recently we've seen Germany last week uh, announce their big fiscal policy expansion uh, and the ECB expanding their um, PEPP Plus, the Federal Reserve have just been, uh, I guess, making uh, more generous terms within their lending facilities, the municipal and also Main Street lending facilities. But even domestically, we've seen the announcement of Australia's home builder scheme. Uh, Another thing that you can point to is resilience in asset prices, uh, which, of course, is underpinned by that unprecedented level of stimulus. But there is just a a clear insensitivity to bad news. Of course, there's the pandemic, the recession, um, but we've also gotten through that unrest, social unrest in the US. And underneath it all, we've got this deteriorating geopolitical environment between the US and China as well. So this resilience, though, is also linked to positioning, whereby you know, I think we can safely say that cash levels that have been built up in March have not been deployed back into risk assets. And we're seeing that manifest in these uh, incredible short squeezes in, um, in asset prices and, and equity prices in particular. Uh, 
in terms of how that's all playing out in currency markets, we're also seeing uh, a significant reversal there from the conditions that we've had in March. And simply put, those currencies which suffered in March have been doing particularly well. Uh, the more they've suffered, the better they're doing, particularly Brazil. But also, of course, the Australian dollar is back to the levels where it opened the start of the year, just above 70 cents. Uh, and those defensive currencies, which did so well in March, uh, the yen, the Swiss and the US dollar, have been underperforming. But um, the yen did play some catch up overnight. And that's more linked to just a broader unwind of, uh, of long dollar positions. So uh, short squeezes happening in equities and also uh, occurring in currencies as well. But I'll move on to a bit of an update on the COVID environment. We've got domestically, the virus remains very contained. Really good news here. Very few active cases in uh, in Queensland. And just across the Tasman, we've got the um, got New Zealand now saying that they're COVID free, and they're moving to uh, essentially back to an open society with um, few restrictions. Um, but globally, we've got um, really still a deteriorating environment on a global level. The highest number of cases that we've seen. Um, since the start of the pandemic. Uh, the Americas is a particular hotspot, particularly South and Central America, but also we're seeing surges in infections across the Middle East. Uh, India is still problematic. Some parts of Europe are rising and worryingly an expansion across Africa. So we're certainly not clear of the pandemic and, uh, and in terms of borders, they're going to remain closed for a very long time. But um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing a, a, you know, ongoing disconnect between market conditions and, uh, and the pandemic. And I think it's fair to say that the investors are now really putting the pandemic behind them uh, and saying that even if there is a deterioration there, the opening up of societies and economies is just enough to give them, I guess, reassurance that earnings will come back and economic growth will come back as well. Thanks, Stu. And uh, my microphone's now back again. Uh, but as you pointed out, unfortunately, I think over the weekend, we just ticked over 7 million cases on COVID. So, um, yeah, not, not the best statistic to come out with today. Robert, can we switch to you for an equity update? Uh, Stu just mentioned then some of those trends have been accelerating. We've also got this idea now of some of the low quality stocks uh, getting some support. Are you seeing that as a trend? And can we get a general update on those equity markets, please? Yeah, Craig, I guess just to reiterate what Stu's sort of been saying, or Stuart's been saying, um, we've definitely seen, definitely seen the unloved uh, markets outperform. So the Euro stocks, which has been heavily hit uh, over the last sort of six trading days, it's up over 10%, uh, whereas the S&P has been the laggard, it only up 6%. Now, just to put that into context, if we use like a lot, if we use a long-term volatility, that positive 10% in six trading days is actually a 4Z. So we're talking about pretty outsized move to the upside. I guess if we dig in a little bit further into I guess, the factors within the equity space, uh, equity value, which has been uh, very painful for pretty much the last decade, it's had a fantastic run over the last six days. Its actual Z score over the last six trading days using a long-term volatility is about seven. So positive seven. So we're looking at for a 10% volatility strategy, that's actually up over 10%. Um, that 
performance has come at the expense, however, of the other equity factors. So momentum, low beta and quality have all been hit quite hard. On the volatility front, uh, we've seen longer term volatility underperform spot. So the forward vol in VIX is down about three vol points since last week. Um, and then I guess more uh, moving into the commodity space, we've seen OPEC extend uh, their production cuts for another month. So that's another that's that nine billion nine million barrels a day that's being cut for the next month. Uh, prices were up almost nine percent. Yeah, there was a bit of a, a paper a story in the paper, Robert, around the um, the commodity space. So there's a little bit of a disconnect between the fundamentals and pricing. So one one for us to watch with with you in the future. Uh, thank you for that update, Bev. Can we please uh, uh, get an update from you now on the bond markets? And Stu mentioned before uh, the expansionary policies in Germany, uh, across Europe, and also the Fed. Is that playing out from your point of view in the bond markets? Yeah, hi, Craig. Uh, yes, it is actually. It's been a very interesting week in bond markets. Um, you know, we've been talking for quite a few weeks and months now about the low level of volatility in bond markets uh, and that trading ranges have been very narrow for, for sort of weeks on end. And really, that just changed um, completely last week. And um, all of that, you know, optimism on, uh, you know, improved data flow. Uh, reflation and you know optimism coming through in a, in a in a number of different asset markets that we've just spoken about. Certainly, we saw that flow through to bond markets as well. So, um, big big um, jump in yields last week. So, US 10-year yields were um, up over 20 basis points just over the week. Um, obviously, um, punctuated by that very strong non-farm payrolls report on Friday. Um, big further yield curve steepening happening um, across across the board globally. Um, and just to put sort of some of that yield curve steepening into context, if you think about the 530s yield curve in the US, which had been trading around about 60 um, for most of last year, um, that's now at 120. So it's doubled just in the space of, of, of a few weeks. So it's been a very impressive move in the curve. Um, the other interesting development has been inflation markets and, and the inflation market is really starting to see a lot of that um, optimism and reflationary um, narrative coming through. It's been a very strong performance there. Um, US inflation markets have rebounded very strongly and are not too far from their pre-COVID levels now. They've still got a little bit way to go, but they've, they've been actually even more impressive than the normal market moves. Um, we do hold, um, and this is, I guess, a, a theme that we've been um, talking about for, for a few weeks now. We've, we've entered some positions in US inflation um, probably about six weeks ago, and we, we added to those um, a couple of weeks ago. So um, we are, you know, re really favouring US exposures here uh, and are holding them as more of a medium term thematic, um, just thinking that um, given the amount of fiscal policy particularly, um, that this reflationary theme um, could, could keep going um, over the next few months. Um, I'm going to uh, 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 talk very quickly about Australia before we move on to um, the FOMC. I'm going to hand over to Andrew to, to do that. But um, in Australia, we've seen very similar moves um, in the bond market here. And so the U U Aussie 10-year yield, um, which had been you know below 1% for a number of months, broke that level very convincingly um, over the last week. And we're now trading around 110. Um, so Aussie market moves have been in a, very similar. I just wanted to pick up on that comment around 
around, you know, um, that, that Stuart mentioned about the, the COVID developments that we're seeing outside of the developed world are really um, going in the opposite direction. And we're starting to see now potentially some ramifications for some of the commodity markets. And you touched there on um, some of the moves that we've been seeing, but iron ore um, has, has just um, poked above the $100 mark. Um, and part of the, the reason for that strong, very recent performance is due to some COVID-19 um, shutdowns and um, some deaths out of the Vale um, uh, mine in Brazil. Um, and alongside that, seeing some very similar stories on copper, that now there's some concern about potential copper supply in Chile on the back of some deaths they've had in some of their copper mines there so that you know although we've you know we've been talking about the fact that you know markets so far aren't paying a huge amount of attention to the acceleration of COVID-19 in the emerging world there's certainly some ramifications happening in the commodity sector that you know might be um, definitely worth keeping an eye on in terms of that sort of inflation picture as well um, look it's a pretty quiet week here in terms of data flow we'll get the NAB business confidence number today um, we've seen a very big Big recovery in a lot of the consumer confidence readings. Um, so it'll be very interesting today to see whether that optimism is being felt by um, businesses as well. Um, and again, just before I hand over to Andrew, just to touch on um, the RBA here. Uh, um, it, we, we, we've been, we know they haven't been really active in terms of their bond buying for, for a few weeks now. Um, just to, to, to highlight that with this move in yields, particularly at the longer end, one of the more interesting domestic developments last week was the three-year yield. Um, and we know that the yield curve control policy of the RBA is to keep that three-year yield around that 25 basis point target level. Um, late last week, um, we saw that three-year yield touch 28 basis points. Um, and that's really the first time it's moved away from that 25 basis point um, mark since the yield curve control policy was put in place. Now, whilst that's not a very big deviation and certainly not enough, we think, to be warranting action from the RBA, it's certainly worth keeping in mind that this is the question that now bond markets have. Um, how, 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 how tolerant will central banks be to this rise in yield? And I think that's probably a good segue for me to hand over to Andrew to talk about expectations for the FMC, because probably a week ago, this was not a particularly interesting meeting for the market, but I think that's changed now. Thanks, Beverly. And so, as Stuart alluded to also, um, along with the containment of the COVID virus, central bank policy actions have, and the associated injection of liquidity have been a large driver of the more buoyant mood we've seen in equity, credit and currency markets. So in that context, this week's US Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meeting on Wednesday is of utmost importance. And the, given the rhetoric from policymakers over the last few weeks, the main thing the market has been grappling with has been whether or not yield curve control will be implemented in the US. So market polls are polling around 50-50% uh, chance that yield curve control is introduced this week. So that's a even money bet on whether or not US yield curve control is introduced. And whilst we think that it's likely that yield curve control is the next cab off the rank in terms of US policy actions, whether or not it's at this meeting or in subsequent meetings remains to be seen. Uh, while we're not entirely certain of the timing around yield curve control implementation, what, as Bev alluded to earlier, what we are more confident in is the risk reward favours higher long end nominal yields and higher break even inflation expectations. And the rationale for that is this. As Bev alluded to also, um, 
the implementation of yield curve control in Australia has actually seen the yield curve steepen um, in Australia. So that is back-end yields rise more than front-end yields. So we think that in the US, even if yield curve control is implemented, the experience in Australia would suggest that we can see back-end yields continue to rise further in the US. The other thing we've also seen in the US is we think is that the US Federal Reserve will allow um, conditions to remain more accommodative and be happy for back-end yields to rise, given financial conditions and real yields continue to remain relatively accommodative. The other thing we've seen, as, as alluded to by Bev and Stu, is just the macroeconomic data continue to pick up. So that's supportive of higher back-end yields and higher break-even inflation expectations also. And the other thing that's weighing on back-end yields in the bond market is just this ongoing thesis of supply-demand dynamics. So it's another big week this week in Treasury market issuance in the US. So I've got $92 billion worth of Treasury market bonds being issued across three-year, 10-year and 30-year tenors. We're also likely to see another big week of investment-grade credit issuance in the US this week, following another big week last week in, in the US credit markets. The other thing that's keeping um, our thesis in, alive as well is just being market participant positioning in um, US Treasury markets. So we're seeing commodity trading accounts or CTAs. They were called very long treasuries. And we're starting to see this unwind. So as their trading signals begin to switch from short to more, sorry, from long to more neutral to short, we think that this can, can continue to weigh on back-end yields and continue to drive longer-end yields higher in the, in, over the shorter term. Thanks, Andrew. And of course, the FOMC meeting's happening over the course of the 9th and 10th of June. Uh, Paul, can we complete the global picture, please? Uh, can we get your update for us with regards to the European markets, but also the emerging markets, the emerging markets rather, particularly given those uh, sentiments that Bev and Stuart provided earlier? Yeah, I think um, certainly Europe did most of the heavy lifting last week, actually. You know, it started off really, uh, the spark was lit um, by the German fiscal response. That was 130 billion uh, of fiscal uh, buoyancy to the German economy. That's roughly around 3% of GDP. That was quickly followed on the heels by the ECB with a further 600 billion of their quantitative easing program. So very much um, solidifying and backstopping that purchase program and they are definitely going to be the marginal buyer going forward so that that's very constructive for all of the themes that we've heard um heard previously in this call and um, one other thing which i thought was really interesting last night uh was uh, lagar actually mentioned for the first time that they're willing the EC, as the ecb are willing to talk to the german constitutional court um even though that the European Court of Justice has already declared that this is um, fully legal and, and okay for the ECB for their QE program. So that's really uh, in very European fashion, putting that one to bed. Um, as, as a follow on from that, look, um, the, the oil and liquidity rally has indeed spilled over into the emerging markets. Very strong response there. Um, number of uh, factors there, not just the yield grab that we're seeing, but also, you know, um, Ecuador entered talks with debtors uh, in terms of their uh, negotiations are seem to be going well. So that's always a positive. Kazakhstan, you know, one of the big oil exporters, very solid rally there. Um, Egypt actually agreed last week, a 5.2 billion uh, line with the IMF. So that's a very positive um, development for emerging markets. And all of that uh, helps the, the issuance and supply level. You know, even last week we saw Brazil and Colombia getting a couple of issues away. Um, so very much um, that demand for yield 
has been uh, spilling into emerging markets very strongly. Um, just on that, you know, we have these themes and, um, you know, I think that, uh, as everybody knows, you know, frequent listeners that, you know, we have the, the fundamental thematic approach, but also we have the time series momentum, so the technicals that we look at. And as, as Andrew just alluded to, um, we're seeing a lot of really interesting moves there. You know, prior to the COVID crisis, those models kept us long into interest rate exposure, into long duration exposures, even when perhaps the valuations could have been argued to be stretched. So I thought that was a very strong positive. And over the last three months in, in the mid, midst of the, the, the crisis, we haven't seen an inflection point. We haven't seen a regime shift, which tends to be a real problem for time series momentum models. Um, and now what we've actually seen is starting, as uh, Andrew said, things are actually starting to come into neutral and, and, and short. So US treasuries, for example, are very solid neutral. Uh, German bunds are actually become a short at this point. Whereas uh, more yielding asset classes like credit, like emerging markets are actually starting to be very strong longs. Thanks, Paul. And Richie, we haven't got a lot of time left, mate, but can we get a qu very quick update on the macro credit space, please? Yeah, sure, Craig. Yeah, look, credit markets, the recovery trade's on in earnest here. Um, the last one to two weeks, it's really stepped up. And we know the ferocity of the widening in March surprised many, um, but the rally back has been equally in, as brutal. So, you know, just to highlight what we're seeing in this recovery trade, well, really everything you'd expect. So beta compression with high yield outperforming IG. In IG, triple Bs are being preferred to single As, and in high yield, single Bs are outperforming double Bs. We're also seeing curves steepen and normalise, and that's for two factors. Firstly, investors really reaching out in the maturity curve to get that extra yield, but also just imminent default risk being priced out of the market. And then investors are, are starting to really pie the cyclical sectors with autos, airlines, hospitalities being the, the, the big winners last week. You know, in the last two weeks, USIG credit spreads have moved from 200 basis points to 137 basis points. And just in terms of the recovery, USIG spreads have now retraced to 81% of the widening. The other interesting point I just want to highlight is really just around um, inflows. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the record supply, you know, for corporates to increase their liquidity runway and how demand's been really strong and central banks have really helped that appetite. Well, now we're breaking new records here with um, a record inflow into credit, um, 14.8 bill into USIG and ETF funds last week. And this is significantly higher than the previous record of um, 10.1 back in October 2014. Uh, and then finally, just another positive sign from flows. US money market funds reported a large 37 billion outflow last week, and this is the first since the crisis began. So we previously mentioned that, um, that money market um, flows can be a real barometer for the market. And, you know, from February, we watched money market farm rise more than a trillion dollars as companies, um, individuals and, and also investors have built a war chest to get through the crisis. And so this decline in, in money market farm signals a sign of confidence from the market in our ability to emerge uh, the other side of the pandemic. Excellent. Thank you, Richie. And obviously, uh, supporting those strong credit uh, signals you just pointed out then, we also had the NASDAQ uh, hitting its all-time highs in the last couple of days. So very interesting markets at the moment. 
I look forward to catching up with you all next Monday. Thank you for listening. Please watch out for our upcoming QPod podcast and have a great week ahead.